0: It's good to see everyone out this morning. I know you're probably expecting Tony, but he was supposed to be on vacation and things happened. He could not go. So the elders have uh, agreed to let me stand in his place this morning, and I appreciate that. This morning's lesson is going to be titled, Will I Change? Will you change? Will we change? When I think about change, when is the the time that most people often change? When I was thinking about this, I thought about New Year's. Everyone sets New Year's resolutions. Uh, I know I set them. Quick question is how many times do we set resolutions and do we actually fulfill them? Uh, I know I hardly ever fulfill mine. You know, I might for the first month. You know, I'm going to lose weight and I lose a couple pounds. Good to go. But when I looked at the New Year's resolutions, the top five for 2017, number five was I want to start a new hobby. Number four was I want to read more. Number three was I want to spend less money. Number two was uh, exercise more. Number one was lose weight. So when we think about making change, I want you to think about, um, we're about six months into the year almost, and so we're at the halfway point. So how has your New Year's resolutions changed? Have they changed your life for the good, for the for the worse? Have you even applied your resolutions? Um, and we're going to kind of look at some spiritual uh, applications, and I want if you have not set resolutions, I want to try today to get some for you, and we'll go from there. But when we talk about losing weight for a New Year's resolution, which is probably mine for the last 15 years to lose weight. Uh, A woman walked around the corner, saw her husband in the the bathroom weighing himself, and she noticed that he's sucking in his stomach. And she kind of chuckled and said, "Uh, you know that don't help you on the scale. And he said, sure it does. It's the only way I can see numbers. So, (laughs) of course, it helped him. And when I think about when we set our resolutions to change in life, it usually comes in November, December. After we've sat there and ate all of this food and we're just stuffed, we're sitting in our comfortable chair in the A.C. and just, you know, like, I'm miserable. We always set our goals, <clears throat> typically in December for the following year. We evaluate our life, and it's usually we evaluate what we've done that year, what we need to do to do better, and how can we do that. But we're going to kind of do the same principle today, but at the half, halfway mark, if you will. Um, I believe that there's absolutely no way any one person can be satisfied with their study, without knowing God. We cannot be satisfied without knowing His will, without knowing His Word. So we first must be a better Bible student. So this morning we're going to talk about three points, four or five points. Well, we'll say five just in case I get to the fifth one. First point is going to be, will I change to be a better Bible student? Meaning, will I change my time and my effort in studying God's Word more diligently? This is something that I had a great privilege uh, three years ago when I entered the school of preaching. And then for two years, every day of my life, for two years, I studied the Bible. It was a blessing. Uh, Sometimes I thought it was a curse because of the tests and the papers and everything I had to do. But it was a blessing. And when I've come out of school and come here, I've had a, a lot of struggles, if you will, because I'm used to studying all day. And then when I come here, I have expectations of things that I need to do. So I'm, try- I'm still trying to figure out my pattern, if you will, on how to study. I know some people think, and I was one of these people, that preachers just sit in the office and study all day. That's not true. And I'll give you an example. One day the phone might ring and, hey, I'm sick. Can you add me to the announcements? Okay, sure. So I go and I add them to the announcements. Well, then that triggers another thought. Then I'm over here and I get the songs and I'm doing the songs for the PowerPoint. And then that triggers another thought. Then I'm down here and uh, it just goes on and you just you really don't see here all day. There's a lot of days that we do, do sit sometimes, but not all day. But when I think about my personal Bible study and how I can improve it, I've, I've actually struggled with this in the last year, trying to find my time for my personal studies. It's easy for me to get wrapped up in, in preparing my classes, my lessons for class, and then neglect my own personal study. And so let's focus on, number one, being better Bible students. In Hosea 4, and verse 6, it says, My people were destroyed for a lack of knowledge because they rejected knowledge. We have to study God's word or else we will one day be destroyed and have to face the punishment. Paul admonishes us in Colossians 3, and verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word dwell means to live inside of you. I'm afraid that too many times people just allow Christ to visit. I saw a sign while I was in Mississippi a church sign, and I don't know what denomination it was, but it said, God wants full custody, not just visitation. And I was like, that's a powerful message in itself. David understood the importance of studying the word of God. In Psalm 119, verse 11, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And then again in Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God knew, or David was writing... Because he knew he needed to study the Word of God, apply it to his life, so that he would walk the correct path. We must also understand that in order to be pleasing and acceptable to God, we have to study His word. It is a commandment. Second Timothy 2 and verse 15, study show thyself approved." Then we looked at John 12:48, "He that rejecteth me rejecteth my words." Matthew 24 and verse 35, he says, "Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away." John five and verse thirty nine. Search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. We look at Isaiah forty and verse eight for the the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of God shall stand forever. We can look at Acts seventeen and verse eleven. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily. Acts 17.11 is a scripture that I've tried to apply to my life, in fact, where I search the scriptures on a daily basis. If we do not search the scriptures and we're not studying the word of God, error could flourish. Someone in here could possibly be teaching error if we do not know the word of God, so we must study the word of God. Oftentimes, while I've been door knocking and on campaigns, trying to teach people the gospel, people will come and say, well, I don't understand the Bible, I don't understand what it means, and it says thee and thou, and it has all these different endings. Well, that's the King James Version. That's what I use, and it's not because it's better than anything. It's just it's the only version I know. And when I moved here, and I noticed that everyone was using, or a lot of people were using New King James. I actually tried to swap to New King James Version. And I found while I was reading it, I, in my mind, I was quoting King James while reading New King James, and it just turned into a jumbled mess. So I recommend finding a good sound translation and when I mean sound, one that teaches the truth. Now, not any translation is perfect. But you can rely on a few of these to get you uh, the truth. But when I think about people that say they don't understand, I think it's just merely an excuse. You can look at John 8 and verse 32. It says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 17 and verse 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Ephesians 3, 4 paraphrase, says, Whereby, when you read. In order for one to understand, we must read. We must apply our life, our time, in order to understand. In Psalm 119, again, 169, O Lord, give me understanding according to your word. In order for us to be able to understand the word of God, we must put the effort and the time in studying the word of God. And when I went to school, I thought, you know, we would just be reading it, you know, and I just, we'd read through the whole Bible, they would make a few points. There's a lot more than, than that to reading the Scripture. you got to look at the origin of the Word, the context of the Scriptures. you got to look, where were they and how does this apply to me? <clears throat> the th- second thing I think about when people say they cannot understand the Scriptures, I think, why would God send His Son to go through all the pain and embarrassment that He went through on the earth? And then he, God preserves us, the Bible, only for us not to be able to understand it. It just makes absolutely no sense. We can't understand the Bible, and in fact, 1 Peter 3.15 teaches us to be ready to defend the truth. Also look at 1 Peter 4.11, when we speak, speak of the oracles of God. How are we supposed to speak if we don't understand it? We can't understand the Bible, it's just it's going to take effort. If we truly want to please God, when we study His Word, it must make us change in our everyday life, and we must apply it. Our second point this morning, will I change to serve God? God with my family. The psalmist uh, stated in Psalm 127, in verse one, it said, "Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that built it." I'm not talking about a physical house. I'm talking about the actual blueprint that God has given us to design for the home, for the family. Our life should be dependent upon the Word of God. As Jesus was concluding His sermon in Matthew seven, verse, uh, sermon on the mountain, Matthew seven, verse twenty-one, He tells us and warns us how to have a successful living, he says we must be hearers of the word and also doers. It's easy to be a hearer of the word and come and listen, but are you applying it to your life to where you make a change and you're actually fulfilling the duties that we we're told to do? And as we begin to serve God with our families, we must understand that it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows. There's going to come storms in life. and In fact, my storms of the recent months, as you all know, have been in the form of a broken hand, and ambulance rides, and ER visits, all in the form of Jacob. I'm blessed that he is physically, that's all that was wrong. And I'm thankful. But in that moment, that was a storm in our life where we were, what are we going to do? But if we center our life around God, we can get through the storms of life. When Lindsay and I was going through marriage counseling. well, I shouldn't say marriage counseling. Uh, premarital counseling, there we go. Uh, <laughs> nothing's wrong. <laughs> that was bad. We're okay. When we were going through counseling before we got married, that's what I should have said, uh, the elder that actually married us, he gave us an image, and I'll never forget it. It was a triangle. And it had her name on one side, it had my name on one side, and it had God in the middle. He said, the closer you grow to God, the closer you'll grow to each other. And I've never forgot about that. You could add... Your name and your children's name and focus on God and you're going to grow closer together. I believe at the heart of the problem of the world, the family, and anything that provokes problems is Matthew nineteen and verse four, which says, Have you not read? I believe as we looked earlier, the, the most or one of the top five was people wanting to read more in uh, twenty eighteen. If people would read the Bible more we would not have all the things going wrong in the world as we do today. If we as people would study the Word of God and apply it to our life, we could make a lot of changes in this world. But as we grow with family and serve God, we know Proverbs 22 and verse 6 where it says, Train up a child. We know Ephesians 6, uh, 4 where it says, Fathers, provoke not your children unto wrath. And another one that children don't like to hear is Ephesians 6, 1 where it says, Children, obey your parents. It's biblical, children, to obey your parents. If you will, let's open our Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6, and we're going to read 6 through 9. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and thou shalt be the frontlets between their eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house, and on thy gates. Have you ever been studying the Bible, and you're, and you're looking, and you're and you're reading? and you just feel like you just got punched in the gut. And that's exactly what I felt last week when I was reading this verse. Lindsay was actually working that day, so she was sitting across from me, and I, just, I read it, and I looked up, and I said, oh, wow. Uh, uh, back in December or November, Lindsay and I set out to read. Uh, we ordered this book, and it's basically uh, all the accounts in the Bible for children. And it's broken up by days, and our goal was every day to read an account to Jacob. And basically, it was going to be our, stay, our family study time. Everything was going good for the first few months. And then we had this activity, and oh, we'll, we'll catch up tomorrow. The next day we had this activity, we'll catch up tomorrow. And to be honest, it, it fizzled out. And when I read that, I was like, we have to get back on track. If we're just sitting at home, and I am guilty, and Lindsay will tell you, I'm guilty of sitting at home and being on social media and, and watching videos while my son is sitting there playing when I could be sitting there studying the word of God with him, we have to get back to teaching our children. If this was true in Deuteronomy 669 for the Israelites, it's true for us today. If we'll go to Second Kings in chapter 20. 2 Kings chapter 20, and we'll read verse 15. And he said, What have they seen in thine house? Hezekiah answered, All the things that are in mine house have they seen. There is nothing among them the treasures that I have not shown them. I want to focus on the first thing where it says, What have they seen in thine house? And I want you to put... Instead of they put your child's name, your, your spouse's name, your neighbor's name, what have they seen in your house? And I'm going to ask a few questions. Have they seen the Word of God in your house? How important are we making the study of, of the Word of God in our homes? Are we having family devotions? Are we spending time and teaching our kids how to pray? Are we praying as a family? Or are we just simply like I was doing, sitting on my phone and watching social media and playing games? Have our friends and family seen God in our homes? What have our neighbors seen in our homes? Do they hear us hollering and screaming? Do they hear us fussing and bickering? Do they hear us mocking and making fun of people? Or do they see love and joy and peace? What example are you and I setting for our family, friends, neighbors, and children? I was brave enough to ask Jacob, what does he see in our house? When we're at home, what does he see us do as a family? And I'm going to tell you exactly what he said to me in the order that he said it. He says, when we're at home, I see y'all working. I see that y'all give me food, you give me shoes, you give me toys, you give me games, you feed Carly, you pray and talk to God. I wish it wasn't in that order, but I'm, I'm glad that he recognizes us spending time in prayer and, and talking about God. I was actually extremely nervous when I asked this question because I told Lindsay, and she was sitting across from me when I asked him, I said, whatever he says, I'm going to say it in the sermon. And so I was really nervous for the first five or six statements. Have our friends, family, neighbors, and children seen love in our house? 1 Corinthians thirteen, thirteen. Abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Is our home should be built on love, it should be centered around love. I believe love is one of the most motivating factors in everything we do. It's because of love. If your child is in sports or any kind of activities, it's love that makes us want to pay for them to do these activities. We'll go sit in 100-degree heat to watch them do these activities. We'll sit in the rain and watch them. We'll sit in the freezing cold to watch them do these activities. We'll drive around the world to watch them do these activities. There's nothing wrong with that. But my question is, are you showing that same enthusiasm and effort when it comes to serving God now I'm just as guilty but just imagine in the first century church they didn't have air conditioning they probably didn't have padded pews they didn't have the lights and the luxuries that we have here in life if we were to meet outside in the field in a 99 degree morning would you be there worshiping with us we're okay with going and watching sports in the weather but are we, would we show the same dedication to serving God If you love God, then you need to be involved. And I'm going to be 100% honest. I don't know if I should say, is there 90% on? I don't know. Um, But last Sunday evening when we had our VBS meeting, uh, planning session, there was 284 people here roughly, I think. And we had roughly 20 people stay. I was disappointed, to be honest with you. I figured VBS is one of the, the most greatest tools that we can use to get children to hear the gospel and we only had 15 or 20 people stay we didn't have seven people we didn't even have enough time or people to fill the spots that we needed with this many people in a room we should have way too many people involved if you love me keep my commandments john fourteen fifteen. if you love god we must serve him third point this morning is will i better myself or will i change for the better to have a better relationship with christ so i ask myself why would anyone want a relationship with christ acts 4 12 it's because only through christ can one be saved luke 19 10 christ is the savior of the world revelation 1 verse 8 and 11 he's the alpha and the omega he's the beginning and the end Revelation nineteen one, he's the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. John nine thirty he's the Son of God. Hebrews three, one, he's the high priest. First Corinthians fifteen twelve, he's the resurrection of life. And Hebrews twelve two, he's the author and finisher of our faith. Any one of those should make us want to have a relationship with Christ through obeying of the gospel. If we decide to obey the gospel, become a New Testament Christian. It should change our life. It should change our attitude. It should change the things that we are doing in our life and the way we act. Oftentimes you'll see people claim to be a Christian. And you'll see sports and entertainers and they'll claim to be Christians and then the next thing you see them on the news, they're, they're under the influence of drugs and they hit someone or they're cursing and all of these other things. And just imagine if Right now, I'm, I'm professing that I'm a Christian. And as soon as we leave, you see me at Walmart buying a bunch of beer. And then you see me on the news later tonight because I've, I've uh, had a huge party at my house. What would you think? Would my words be better than my actions or would my actions speak louder than my words? You've got to walk the walk and talk the talk, so to speak. When we make a decision to obey the gospel, we should be ready to tell others about it. According to the Great Commission and the Liberty Commission in Acts 8, verse 4, and Acts 20, verse 20, we should be prepared to teach others about Christ. Our fourth point would be, will I make a change in my life so I can grow spiritually? We all must not come complacent with our knowledge of the Word of God. We must continue to study and grow closer, because if we don't, we could allow error to be taught, and we would not even know that it's being taught. If you'll look at 1 Peter, or 2 Peter 3, and verse 18, but grow in grace and in knowledge of the Lord, of our Savior Jesus Christ, to Him be glory both now and forever. We need to grow in grace and in knowledge. But if you look at the other side, in Hebrews verse uh, 5 and verse 12, for when you ought to be teachers, you have to be taught again, paraphrasing. You have to be taught again. You've been taught once, but someone's got to teach you again before you can teach someone. You see, they forgot or failed to do what they were taught. We have to change and grow spiritually and mature in Christ so we can help others. How could one grow closer and more mature? I came up with just a few reasons. One, we could pray more. Second Thessalonians 5, verse 17. Pray without ceasing. We could study more what we just looked at a few moments ago. We could be more liberal in our giving. 2 Corinthians 9, verse seven. I once served under an elder in Lithia Springs, and he always said, "You cannot outgive god he says i 've never met anyone in my life that gave all their money to God and were now homeless and uh, couldn 't even eat. He said it won 't happen, God will bless you. Resist temptation, as, as Tim said in our prayer just a few moments ago, First Corinthians ten and verse thirteen Add to the Christian graces in First Peter one verse five and following and add the fruits of the Spirit to our lives in Galatians 5, 22 and following. And our fifth and final point this morning is we must change and be patient with the circumstances of life. And this is, again, one that I've struggled with uh, in recent months with everything going on. We have to understand that things will happen. We we know things are going to happen. And there's no doubt that one of Satan's most powerful tools, in my opinion, is discouragement. He can discourage you on one event And that can just lead to you not even doing anything else for the Lord's work. That would be the wrong attitude to have if we just decide, I'm discouraged so I'm not going to apply that to anything else and I'm just going to walk away. I'm just going to come on Sunday morning and Sunday nights and that's it. We have to stay focused. We have to continue to teach others the gospel. One of my instructors always told us in school, he said the church would be okay if it was not for the people. And I kind of chuckled and and I thought, well, that's just absurd, and then I thought about it. It's the truth, because the church is not the building, it's the people, we know that. He says that the people come from different personalities, different viewpoints. He says we all have our own attitudes, and I, I saw a video recently from a congregation somewhere in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, and he said this Sunday is our barbecue luncheon. All our members are going to bring barbecue from all over, wherever they're from, and we're going to eat And it had had a a gentleman that was from Texas, and so he brought some ribs with some dry rub. Then it had a lady from North Carolina, and uh, she had sweet sauce all over her barbecue. Then it had a a gentleman that was from, I think, Mexico, and his was barbecue tacos. And he talked about how this is all barbecue, but it's different. And yeah, you might think yours is the best, but if you try it a different way, you might like it. And I thought, that's a great point. We all have our own different weirdness, if you will. We're all unique. But we should not, and we cannot allow that to separate or divide the church and hinder us from doing the work of the Lord. So in conclusion this morning, as we evaluate our life from 2017 when we made our resolutions, let's evaluate our life for the last six months. If we continue to do the things that we've been doing, are you going to get a different result? That's actually the definition of insanity. Strive, continue to do the same things and expecting a different result. If you want to grow in knowledge and grace of the Word of the Lord, then you need to study the Bible. Has the study this morning convicted you to realize that you need to make a change in your life? We looked at a few points this morning and if I'll, I'll ask the questions. If you're willing to change your study habits, are you ready to serve God with your family and get involved? Do you need to make a a relationship change, so to speak, with Christ and become a better partner, a better study uh, individual? Are you willing to grow and be more spiritually mature? And will you be patient with the decisions that happen in life? Don't just jump at the first thing that happens and get frustrated and quit. Will you humble yourself today and repent of the sins If you need to put Christ on in baptism, we would would love to have that opportunity to study with you. If there's anything that we can do, we ask that you come as we stand, as we sing.